you have leadership within your family, within your business, within your friends, you can express these thoughts and keep people calm by just talking to them about it. Mm-hmm. Every one, every one of us is a hero, and every one of us is a leader. It may not be at a national level, but you can be a hero with your kids or with your friends or with my patients just by being there for them. The one of my spiritual teachers a long time ago said the greatest gift we give to other each other is the quality of our presence. So just be there. That's all. Just all you got to do is show up and listen to your friends and be there for your family. Yeah. And say, yeah, I get it. I get it. Let your feelings out and it, it helps them so much and it helps you too. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarious human experience, and we challenge ourselves to think, question, and synthesize wherever our curiosity takes us. It is our goal to provide blueprints for others to learn and lead a more fulfilling life. My guest today is Dr. Michael Greenberg. Dr. Greenberg is a dermatologist dedicated to providing state-of-the-art care with the Illinois Dermatology Institute, as well as a co-founder of the Illinois Dermatology Institute. He specializes in medical dermatology, as well as treating patients with emotional or spiritual component to their skin condition. And in this conversation, we highlight a lot of the stress that people are feeling around this situation as it evolves with uh, COVID-19. And we really wanted to hit on, or at least he did, because he had posted a really interesting article on Facebook, kind of summarizing thoughts on how to cope better with these uncertain times. And uniquely, we're all facing these uncertainties right now. And the best that we can do is manage them and also help each other. And so in this conversation, Michael shares a lot of his own experiences and how he's adapted to situations and learned to see life differently. He is a very deep spiritual person and at times even philosophical. And so for that, I appreciate his outlook on life and to understand how to communicate these uncertainties to people so that they may connect with it more deeply or look at it from a different angle they may not otherwise. And at the very least, just pause and reflect. And as I said, this is the second time Michael's been on the podcast. And in other circumstances, I wish he could have come on in under different pretenses. But sometimes that is not the way it works out. But in any case, I'm glad that I was able to make this connection and to have Michael share his thoughts and wisdom with me and by extension, all of you listening. So with that, everyone, please enjoy this conversation with Michael Greenberg. And I hope this helps. And please feel free to reach out to me and just share what you're feeling or how you're dealing with these times right now, because this is pretty unprecedented historically. So with that, everyone, please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. In today's episode, we're joined by returning guest, Michael Greenberg. Hi, Michael. Hey, thank you for Sorry, I have to be back on a subject like this, but thanks. I know. I, it, it's, I wish it was under different circumstances, but as everyone, I'll put in a separate intro, but Michael Greenberg is a dermatologist, and so he's really close to the current you know, outbreak and things like that, but he posted a really interesting Facebook post kind of outlining 
reactionary things to how people are reacting to the situation and then ways to kind of help. And I thought it was a really good post and he offered to talk about it here. And so we're just kind of kind of unpack his situation or as he sees it being closely tied to the hospital and then just some of his thoughts to hopefully help people bridge the gap in this new normal as I've been kind of thinking it as. Well, Eric, we, we, you know, we have a problem. We, we don't have a crisis like people think we have. We have a problem in the world. We have a virus that's going around. And we don't know. The, the problem is we don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it's going to do. But, you know, it's affected all of our lives. For some reason, the world has gone bananas about this. It, it, <laughs> the funniest thing is people are hoarding toilet paper. Yes. Um, this, is not co- this is not cholera, folks. You're not going to get diarrhea from this virus. So I, I, I think this is like a siege mentality. People are, are hoarding water and toilet paper. And I understand that in a, in a situation where you're totally powerless to do anything makes you feel better. But mm-hmm. let's talk about some reality here. Let's first talk about the viral reality. This is not the zombie apocalypse. People are not dropping over dead like flies, like they did in the Black Plague. Or they, you know, we're, we're, we've got 300,000 people every year dying of obesity in this country. So why don't we panic and take potato, potato chips off the shelves mm-hmm. of our grocery stores? So that's, that's the reality. Okay, we have a problem. Everything's being shut down. The Dow Jones is going straight to hell. Mm-hmm. And our politicians aren't doing, at the federal level, are doing a miserable job. Okay. There's the situation. I I mean, I agree. It's, it's just bananas. Like I've never, you know, in my lifetime, which granted is not that long. I've never seen this sort of reaction in my life where the world feels like it's collectively holding its breath, waiting for the hammer to fall. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, this get really philosophical and say, well, we're talking about fear and, Mm -hmm. and fear, fear is an acronym. It stands for fantasized events appearing real. So everyone's got this fantasy about being locked in their house for six months and never coming out again or dropping dead on the street from, from this virus. And that's not what's happening, you know? And, and the, the, the first reaction is to stay in the, in the moment. Every spiritual teacher teaches us stay in the here and now. Mm-hmm. By that, I define it as if two guys jump off a skyscraper at the same time, you know, what's going to happen. Fear screams all the way down. And the guy who stays in the moment, as he passes by each floor, he goes, well, it's not too bad yet. It's not too bad yet. Well, it's not too bad all the way down. So it, that, that's, the, that's the, the more, you know, the deeper spiritual message, for instance. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about practical stuff, okay? What, what, what you can do. What I see missing from people is peace of mind, which people don't have a lot of anyway these days. The world's kind of crazy. And the only way to get to peace of mind is to get the fear out of your mind. Get out of your head, right? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you do that? Well, first of all, you do a reality check. Do you really need two pallets of toilet paper? And do you need 500 gallons of bottled water at home? And the answer is no. So realize we're in this together. Share with people. Second thing that I found is as a doctor, for instance, uh, we had a practice meeting over the week. And some of my partners are closing for three or four weeks. And I basically, although it's controversial, you know, because my partners can say, well, you're, you might be exposing people. I might not be. And I'm in the office and I'm taking care. I'm going to take care of people until they make me force my, to close my office or I get sick because that's what doctors do. You know, we're half of what I'm, I'm not doing as much dermatology as I'm doing just hanging out with people and, and, and taking care of their fears and talking to them about that. Mm-hmm. By the way, Fear can also stand for F everything and run. You know, you can <laughs> run away. Yeah. You can try and run away, but it'll, but it'll follow you. And, the, and so, the, so the other thing I'm doing is 
going down my, taking my iPhone and going down my list of people I know and care about. And some people, you know, I haven't talked to in a while and calling everybody I know and just asking them how they're doing or what I can do to help them and talking about it. Cause the secret Eric is you get out of your own head. My head is filled with, my head can be filled with the same fears. All right. Mm-hmm. So I get out of my head and I go help someone else. It's a secret I learned a long time ago. And there's always someone who needs help. Yeah, I I've, I recently did the same thing. I've been trying to think about, like personally speaking, I, I know I'll be okay. I can I have the luxury of being able to work from home. I have the ability to, you know, do things like this that really give me a lot of fulfillment where I feel like I'm helping people. But I've also been trying to look at the communities around me and think of ways to connect, you know, the people that may or may not feel as certain about things or able to just distance themselves, like you said, like help people. And it's, I think it's because a lot of people weren't prepared right for this. Like we get so stuck in our daily routines that all of a sudden when this type of thing happens, it feels like, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak. And I think if you can get people to pause and look at this as a way to restructure your life will eventually pay dividends forward going like, you know, three, four months down the road. You know, right, and- exactly. And, and, and look, let's look at the reality of the situation. I, I believe in a kind and loving universe or God or whatever you want to believe in. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in a punitive universe. So, so there's some lessons to learn here. All right. So yeah. what are the, what's the bigger lesson? We are the most materialistic country. Everybody wants 24 pairs of jeans in their closet, the newest iPhone, every little gimmick. And so we, we, we want it cheap too. So we've set it up so that we depend upon one major country, China, to supply us with all these cheap goods. We need to change the supply chain in this world. So it's spread out all over the place so that we're not beholding to one country. And by the way, it's not the friendliest country to us. Yeah. You know, it's a slightly hostile country. So let's bring the manufacturing back here of some of these things, especially our pharmaceuticals. So they can't cut us off or this can't happen again. That's the first thing. The second thing is people's personal finances. All right. This was a wonderful opportunity for me to talk to my granddaughter who is not going to be able to work for a couple of weeks and she's working her way through college. So we were able to help her financially. And I said, you know, Madison, when you get to be an adult, the people who are going to get hurt by this the most are, are the, the over consumers who are in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, not the people who are being paid poorly living to paycheck by paycheck. I understand that they're in a different situation, but there's a number of people who do really well, but they never have money because they're buying more stuff than they need. Yeah. So you can't live like that. You've got to have resources. You've got to have, you got to save some money because things do happen. Yeah. You know, shit happens. <laughs> we say the S word on your body. Yeah, you can. I don't. It happens. <laughs> and, be, and if you have a, if you have some savings in the bank, you can weather the storm, but some people don't. They have, they have nothing in the way of, of build up backup resources, but they have every new gimmick. And every, mm-hmm. every, you know, the, the, the latest clothes and everything. So that's a lesson to be learned, too. And the other lesson is you got to learn to respond, not react. Mm-hmm. All right. And in order to do that, to get out of your head, the next step is turn off the news programs. I don't <laughs> care what channel you're listening to. Turn them off. Listen to the news in the morning to find out what the weather is. Listen to the news to find out if there's any major changes. But people are addicted to listening to Fox and CNN and MSNBC. And it's the same fearful stuff all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it, those those cycles aren't aren't made for, you know, quality of information to help quell fears. They're just there to stroke the flame or stoke the flame. I guess is the best way to word that. And I, I really 
I don't like watching those things. I've really done my due diligence to try and find sources of information that are just there to give information to people. And, and that's part of the problem in this entire situation because there's so much, there, there seems to be like everything in our world, this two polarization thing where it's either the end of the world or it's nothing and you downplay it completely. And there was like no middle ground as of last week. And I was like, what is going on? And so I, I had wrote an article trying to figure out where was the right way to stand or at least to be informed, cautious, so you could make a decision that's informed and not panic-induced or completely blowing it off. Right, and there is a middle ground. For me as a doctor, there's a middle ground. I intend to go to my office every day and help people. Mm -hmm. That's what doctors do. That's why I became a doctor. So to balance that off in my own personal life, I'm, I'm eliminating my exposures to other groups of people. Like I do, I'm an improv actor also. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, we're not having rehearsals. I'm not going, we're not having classes because I want to limit my exposure to not necessary groups of people so I can be there for the necessary groups. That mm -hmm. kind of balances it off. I'm going to do the best I can. And, and yeah, you know, maybe I will get infected. Maybe we'll get sick and I'll stop work for a couple of weeks till I'm better. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to respond rather than react. And then, and another important thing, Eric, very important, mm -hmm. is do not go on your financial institution app and see how much money you lost today <laughs> because you will panic, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and the, you know, I, I've talked to the financial people. Um, I'm just not responsible for me. I'm responsible for our, uh, we're the largest group practice, largest derm practice in Illinois, group mm -hmm. practice. And I'm responsible for a, a profit and pension sharing plan that's in, you know, uh, eight figures, I guess. And it's like, I don't look at it because, and I assure everybody in our group, listen, the people at, at Merrill Lynch, the people at every financial institution says, this is going to come back. It's not like this is yeah. a war where, you know, we're, we're not investing in mom and pop businesses. So just relax. It's okay. Don't look at that stuff. So, you know? yeah, my, my question here would be, how do we, you know, what you're really getting at is this is like, old school human software, you know, survival mechanisms at play here. And it's just using new, new vehicles to strike those survival mechanisms, basically, you know, using food, water, and then economics as the vehicles for people to panic and look at something. And when I look at that is we need to basically interrupt that cycle of survival panic and say, okay, how do we think long-term? Like, how do we think three, four, you know, five, even six months from now so that you're aiming at the best possible outcome, not thinking about the worst? Well, it comes, it comes from that old serenity prayer. You know, I have to realize what I, what I have any power over, mm -hmm. I have any control over and what I don't. All right. I have control over if I'm going to walk out of the house today and, uh, you know, the reason why they closed all the bars and restaurants in, in Illinois was because people just wouldn't control themselves. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, setting up for, to spread this infection. So I have control over that. I have no control over the government, the stock market, or the virus. So I'm not going to worry about those things I have no control over. What I can control is myself and plan for the future and learn lessons from this mm -hmm. and, and realize, you know what, I got to plan for the next virus. You know, yeah. I, I have to be somehow be prepared uh, emotionally and mentally and, and, and spiritually it comes down to one thing to realizing that I am powerless in the face of the universe. Mm -hmm. Things will happen. And I've had this, I've learned, I try to learn this lesson over and over again. And 10 years ago I had prostate cancer 
and I'm fine. And it was a, a, a caught very early for those people who are listening. I'm not going to be dying next week. And and I got depressed for about two days until I, I I turned to my wife and said, you know, the universe is trying to teach me something. You know, this, the fear is I'm out. Of, I, I'm not in control. And if this can happen one day, something worse, something's going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to have a stroke. I'm going to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I have no control over those things. So I can either accept in this moment that I don't have control over these things and stop worrying about them and be happy like the guy jumping off the skyscraper, or I can fret about it the rest of my life. I have chosen to practice my life staying in the here and now. And I, I think I gave you in my office a little coin I made up that says now. If I didn't, next time you come in, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. But but when you're in the situation of what's going on, ask yourself what's happening now. Right now, I'm sitting in a comfortably warm home, in clothing. There's food in my belly. I am not sick. I don't have a fever. I have some resources in the bank. I have a loving wife and a great dog and a wonderful family, a wonderful kid. It's okay. I'm doing fine right now. Yeah. You know, but, but if I get in my head and worry about stuff I can't control, I'm going to be miserable and upset and find ways to, to, to kill that pain. You know, whether it be, you know, stupid behavior or overeating or drinking or drugs or whatever, you know, I I don't, I don't, I don't, you don't want those feelings. So we try and kill them. It's 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 okay to feel free fall for a while, and it's okay to feel scared, but just do a reality check. I, I think that's a really good point. And again, you're bringing it back to yourself, which I think is really important in this scenario because everyone's kind of looking towards the experts, you know, the the all encompassing they that are you know either creating vaccines or testing drugs and telling us information or graphing things or you know all of that just information overload. And that's great, but I don't think that's the right way to look at this right now, because at this point it's, we're all in it and we have to kind of focus on our own little sphere of influences and how do we make the biggest impact for what we can as the, as the world just exists with this thing, you know, and I think you're really hitting on really important parts of this. Yeah. It's what, what I can, what I can do. And what I can do is, like I said, is I can call people. I can help my neighbors. One of my friends, in, in Chicago, put on Facebook that this is where he lives. And if anybody, any, you know, single parents or young, young parent kids at home don't want to leave and don't want to go shopping, he'll get their groceries and deliver it to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, little acts of kindness. You can do those things. You can go to the grocery store right now when you need food and buy what you need and not buy more than you need. So that you think about the other guy, these tiny little acts of kindness. And one of the things I put in my post, which I love to tell people to do, it, you know, if you have nothing that you can think of to do and you're all alone and there's nobody to do a jigsaw puzzle with or play Scrabble with and you're sick of TV and you've seen every movie in the universe and you're bored, get a big white plastic garbage bag and a pair of gloves, put them on, go outside and clean up all the trash on your block. It's amazing how that gets you out of your head. I do that, by the way, under non-crisis situations. My wife goes crazy. She hates it because <laughs> I'll get out of my car and go and be, you know, go to the food store, and I'll either be returning carts that aren't mine just because they're there, or picking up crap that's not mine and throwing it in the garbage. And she goes, "Why do you do that?" I go, "Because it's there." It yeah. just makes me feel better. And my father-in-law taught me that years ago. Um, he, we used to, I'd see him, we'd go to be in a restaurant and I'd take him to the men's room and he'd be done. He'd wash his hands and he'd wipe the sink, including the sink next to his from water he didn't leave there. <laughs> and I, I, I watched him do that and then pick up paper towels that weren't his on the floor and I got it. 
I asked him, he said, he said, it just makes me happy to, to, to clean up the area for the next guy. The, the rule is we've got to remember we're all in this together, Eric. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where nobody's really isolated. If you think about it, you may, be, you may feel physically isolated. You don't have to be. You can go online. I've been I've been gathering groups of friends together. We've been going going on Zoom. I you know I love it that I, that that me at the age of seventy one can figure out how to use Zoom you know? <laughs> and and going on and, and having chats and talking. And I talked to one of the guys in my improv team today and said, you know, how can we do something online with a Zoom type of thing where we can put together a virtual improv show with all of us being in our own places oh, and so invite cool. people invite <laughs> people to the show. I'd like if somebody has an idea, I'd like to know because we'd like to be able to do that. We can do like scenes, even though we're not in the same room yeah. and just make, make people happy through humor because for the next few weeks, our improv theaters closed down when we need some humor. So just think of these creative thoughts. Not what I can do for myself, what I can do for others. That's yeah. the secret. The more I do for me, the lousier I feel. The more I do for others, the happier I am. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with that. And, and you know, just to kind of update you on, on things here, like as feeding curiosity has evolved and things like that, and I've evolved, one of the, the core axioms that I've kind of put in place, at least at the personal level, was this idea of using knowledge with responsibility. And this, that's you're hitting on that huge thing for me because I feel like we can learn things, but there's also a sense of responsibility to do better by that internal compass of responsibility. It's understanding that you may have a good, but you can always leave the world a little bit better than the way we found it. And why shouldn't we just try is the very least, you know, even if we can't like, even if the amount that I can change the world is insignificant, the ripple effect that compound, you know, by you, you know, picking a, like an, a cart for someone at a grocery store makes it that much less crazy for the, the cart pusher who's been running around, you know, for the last six hours <laughs> or, or something like that. Especially in this scenario where everyone is going crazy at the grocery store and there's insane lines and all of that stuff. And, you know, I, I think yeah. it's, those, all those things go a long, long way. And there's little things that, that you can do. My wife had this great idea years ago when, when we're out instead of people are homeless and on the streets and they need food instead of giving them money, her idea is to give them food gift certificates, like from okay. McDonald's, five dollar gift certificates, and and you know that that eliminates the fact that you say, oh, they're going to use the money to buy alcohol or drugs. Well, they can't. If they, here's food. Right. I mean, McDonald's may not be the best, greatest, healthiest food in the world, but it is food. So so think of creative ways you can help your brothers and sisters on this planet. Watch how peaceful you get. That's my that's mm-hmm. my point. And 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 you know the news media too. I, I blame them. Except that I re- there's a quote there long before you were around on this planet, Eric. There's a guy <laughs> named Bishop, Bishop Fulton Sheen, and 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 he had, a, he had a TV and radio show. And I re- one of his favorite quotes that I love is like he used to despair when he read the newspapers until mm. he realized the newspapers only print the exceptions. He'll oh. despair when the newspapers print the good news as the exception. So, but I would like somebody if there's somebody out there who has any connection to any. TV news producers or people talk to them and, and have them do segments on good things happening now. There's so many good things. You know, mm-hmm. we want to talk about how to make America great. Well, I'm not going to talk politics. I have my own feeling. Actually, my own feeling that we should isolate Washington, throw it out, and start over again with all politicians. <laughs> okay? Because none of, none of them are going there to really serve. They're going there as, as, as careers. 
They, they've lost the sense of they're there to serve us. And, and both Republicans and Democrats are just spending their time name calling and, and trying to punish the other side. It's like, that's ridiculous. We have problems here. Go mm -hmm. fix them. Stop worrying about just beating each other up. Um, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But I, but I'd like to, I, I would really like to see the media every day have a segment. If you really want to make America great, folks, take care of your neighbors. Knock on their doors. See how they're doing. Be kind to people. Say hi to everybody you see on the street. Open doors. When you go to a restaurant, if you can afford to go to a restaurant, and tip the servers more money than you're tipping them now because they need it, because they're struggling. Do a couple dollars here and there makes a difference in people's lives. And and the problem that we all of us humans have this thing that self-centered selfishness that, that we all know about it and mm -hmm. at least admit it. Me too. I'm the same way. Listen, I'm not preaching like I'm some saint here. I do the same, <laughs> I do the same bullshit everybody else does, mm -hmm. okay? But I've learned to kind of catch myself from time to time and maybe do a few things that aren't like the herd, you know, not yeah. following the herd. And and it's like it's time to wake up and realize that this this world could be an amazing place if we just will do a couple kind acts a day. Mm -hmm. That's all. I, I, I think you're really hitting on something for me, too, because I, I don't know if you've heard of him before, but Tony D'Amelo, he was a priest and a psych. Mm -hmm. uh, a Anthony, yes, I know who he is. He wrote a book called Awareness, and I read it last year, and it was probably the most impactful book I've ever read in my life. Helped me unpack many, many things. And one of the sections of that book, he talked about this, you know, this human trait of selfishness that almost in any act you do, even if it is considered selfless, like you know, giving to charity, it still makes you feel good. And so that's why you do it. So it's still selfish in to some degree. It just also has positive benefits to it. And I, I it's kind of one of these things that really slapped me across the face. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, almost to any degree, things you do make you feel good. So you're going to keep doing them. And it's important to note that even if you are like, we all can be selfish to some degree, but I think the differentiator is being in service of others and you as a doctor, you know, you've had to take the oath of do no harm. I know it's much longer than that, but so I think it's really hitting on that core ethos of just trying to do as much good as possible across the board. Well, it, let me give, let me, let me give you a differential between words. Cause I also am a, I do lots of stuff. I'm also a writer. Mm -hmm. There's a big distinction between selfishness and self-centeredness. Okay. It, it is okay to be selfish. I have to take care of myself. So for instance, I have to say, gee, I have to work out today. I'm sorry. I can't, you know, I can't be on the phone helping everybody with their problems 24 seven. I have to eat, I have to work out, I have to sleep, I have to take care of my family. I have to be somewhat selfish so I can be there for other people. But self-centeredness is when I think the world revolves around me and I expect everyone to behave a certain way and I want to manipulate them to behave a certain way that, that, that gives me what I want. Self-centeredness is wrong. Some selfishness is healthy. You mm -hmm. have to take care of yourself. As, as a, you know, there, there are doctors, for instance, that, that are working in terrible conditions that could be in a hospital 24. No, they got to go home and go to sleep. Yeah. No, they have to eat. You know, I talk to patients all the time who have family members who are very ill and terminally ill and dying. And I tell them as a caretaker, if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be there for the person you're taking care of. Yeah. So selfish is okay at times. Self-centeredness is not. That's one of the things I keep thinking about in this time too, with everything being upheaval and stuff. I, I think right now is a really good time to focus on things that 
normally we don't focus on like getting more sleep, eating a little bit better. Like we can't go out and drink and things like that all as much. And so right now is a perfect time to experiment with things that you've always been putting off because our, our lives are so fast and busy that in this intentional slowdown, you can be more conscientious of the choices we're making. Yeah. You want, you want to do something cool, <laughs> go, go in your closet. And take out all the clothes you haven't worn in five years and go give them to Goodwill. <laughs> we, we, we moved, but my, my wife is a pretty smart lady. And we, she decided that we didn't want to, we've been in our house, our old house for four years. And we had 40 years worth of garbage in wow. the house and crap. And so we moved because she said, I don't want to be here when we're old and can't use stairs. So we moved into a place with a first floor master. We got rid of about 60% of our crap. Wow. And our kids wanted us to, because they said, we don't want to deal with this someday after you die. And they were so happy. We have closets that are half empty. We don't have, we, we got, I have a stack of Goodwill certificates and we, we gave a lot of stuff away. Um, we had furniture that nobody wanted to buy. It was great furniture. So I gave it away on Facebook marketplace. Mm-hmm. I am so much happier with less and every, you know, stuff that I don't use and I don't wear somebody else can use. So try that. If you want to get happy, go in your closet today, Eric, and I <laughs> bet you have 20 pieces of clothing that oh, you don't sure. wear and you, <laughs> and somebody can use them. You know, I, I promise you watch how happy you get. When you do that, I'm laughing too, because I know, I know for a fact, there's definitely a whole drawer full of stuff that I just haven't opened, you know, cause it's just when you're in your life, you just kind of gravitate toward the things you gravitate towards and a lot gets forgotten, you know, 80% of it probably. And I think right now too, is if you, if you think about this scenario, learning from moderation, as you said, America is the most materialistic culture we have in the world today. I think right now is a, is a harsh lesson to be learned for those of us for moderation. Like personally, I follow intermittent fasting. So if moderation is pretty common for my frame of reference, because I too believe in, in intermittent fasting and stoic philosophy and things like that, that kind of bake in being a beggar for a day or surviving on the simplest meals. I self inoculate basically living like a poor person almost, even though I don't have to, where I like buy cans of chili and use that for lunches or something like that. And I don't try not to eat a whole bunch because of exactly reasons like this. So that if things do go sideways and I can't foresee them happening, they don't affect me is really the way I think about that because I know what it's like. And it's not like no matter at what level I live at, I don't need to feel like I have to live a certain way or have a certain thing to be fulfilled. Well, the life experience that I have, and, and listen, I went through all the phases that everybody goes through. I see these young doctors and they're so into buying, you know, really nice watches. And I went through that <laughs> part of my life too Yeah, when I was younger. And, but I came to realize that I like stuff. Let's, let's be honest. We all like stuff. It's okay to have nice stuff, mm-hmm. but I, but, but stuff never made me happy. Mm-hmm. There wasn't matter, never made me truly happy. As soon as I got something, it was like about a month later, it's like, Oh, well, this isn't really making me happy. I need something else or I need something different. And, and so you ask yourself, what in life makes you happy? Mm-hmm. And to me, it really, I, it comes down to what really makes me happy is when I do something nice for somebody else. Yeah. And that, that's the truth. And people, you know, maybe young people will, will, you know, scoff at that and say, no, this guy's full of bullshit. But that's, that's what I, that's what I really learned in life. Picking up the phone to pick the phone today and calling people I haven't talked to in a while and hearing their response like, Oh man, thank you. I so needed that call. I feel so alone. I feel great. I mean, the difference, I, I'm just watching the difference in my wife who 
watches watches the news a lot and she's just worrying in her head Mm -hmm. and i go go call people she's she's walking around and and she's burst into tears spontaneously a couple times and i'm walking around happy like yeah okay great we have a virus and and i don't really care i mean i care but i don't care because i can't do anything about it yeah Uh, and but but i but i can do the things that i'm doing i i it's so ridiculously simple. The great truths are always simple, like love one another. <laughs> but but no, nobody seems to understand and that, it, that it's so basic. Well, it's because um, the simple things, they don't, they're so simple that you don't, you don't think they are actually work. You know, you think that the solution has to be complex. Right. <laughs> when I, when I call up one, I, I've got a, a circle of, of, of guys that I hang out with and we, we study spiritual texts and we're really, really closer than brothers and call each other up all the time when we, when we're in trouble and in our heads. And one of my friends, Ed, he, every, every time I call him, his advice is don't bleed until you're shot. You know, mm. I call, I call him up and I go like, this is going to happen. That's going to don't bleed till you're shot, Michael. And if I call my friend, Tommy, who I've got a problem, he says, go find someone to help. Those two pieces of advice are two pieces of advice I can live by because what, what we're all working to, we study a book called The Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're all looking for is inner peace, you know, yeah. and, and most people don't have it. And, and the thing is that we, we use a mnemonic called PTFD, and P is peace of mind. Okay. It's your birthright. You were given peace of mind as a kid. No one can take it away from you, but you give it away freely to the guy who cuts you off in traffic to the person who, you know, cuts in front of you in, in line, to to your spouse or your, your significant other when they when you're reading and they say, throw out the garbage now. So first of all, you give it away. T is the teacher. These people are your teachers. They're going to teach you where inside you need to let go so you can keep your peace of mind. F is forgiveness. Forgive everybody, everything, all the time. All right? I had a, a gentleman come into my office the other day, and he was really angry because we couldn't let five people in an exam room with the virus and he stormed out and he came back and, and he asked, he said, Oh my God, that was so silly of me. I was so stupid. He said, I, he said, will you forgive me? And I said, I've already forgiven you. And then <laughs> you walked out of the door. I, I got that you were just scared and it was fine with me. And he just felt so good. All right. And D are demands, outrageous demands. If someone asks you to jump off of a building, don't do it. But if someone says, Hey, would you move, move your chair over, move your car, just do it. You know, just do it to keep your peace of mind rather than getting upset. And isn't peace of mind, Eric, what everyone's looking for? Absolutely. It's well, what there's the, there's, there's the secret. <laughs> there's the secret. Don't give it away. Yeah. When, something, when somebody's upsetting you, just forgive them. Let it go. Stay in your mind. Stay in the moment. These are such simple things, but they're things that I, I forget all the time, by the way. I am not a master at this. You know, maybe, Aunt, maybe Tony DeMello is. Maybe you think guys who write books are. But the reason why guys write books are because they know they're not masters at it. And they're just kind of writing books to, you know, get it out, out, get it out there on paper. They're trying to organize um, their own thoughts. <laughs> exactly. You know, if you, if you don't think Jesus or Buddhists use four-letter words and they stub their toes, you're out of your mind. You know? <laughs> That's a fun image. <laughs> we're, all, we're, all, we're, all, we're all human, you know? Yeah, and we're all human, and 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 Zorba, Nick, you know Zorba the Greek, mm-hmm. Katsanzakos talked about living the full catastrophe of life. Ooh. So the full, this is the part of the full. This virus is part of the full catastrophe of life. Feel your human feelings, feel them, share them, get out there and let them out. The the Gospel of Thomas says, "What you bring out of yourself from the inside, that is what will save you. What you don't bring out of yourself from the inside, that is what will destroy you." Get them out there, help people, and I promise you, you will get. We'll all get through this. But the question is, you're going to get through this happier. 
that's my that's the bottom line. Yeah, that's so good. It reminds me of another quote I've been seeing around. It's it's like how do you you know dealing with these uncertain times? It's you know you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it, don't you think? Final comment, maybe. Don't you think it's insane that the sales of Corona beer dropped forty five percent when this happened? Like, how crazy are we? <laughs> Just because it has a name. Just because it has a name. Oh my God! You know, it's like we're we're walking around either asleep or crazy. And and what we kind of need, I don't. I mean. I can talk only from my point of view. I think that our governor in Illinois has done an amazing job. I think that he's an amazing job as a leader and standing up there and calling calling people and telling the truth. I don't think the federal government has done very well at all. So we need to be our we need to create our own leadership. You have leadership within your family, within your business, within your friends. You can express these thoughts and keep people calm by just talking to them about it. Mm-hmm. Every one every one of us is a hero and every one of us is a leader may not be at a national level, but you can be a hero with your kids or with your friends or with my patients just by being there for them. The, one of my spiritual teachers a long time ago said, the greatest gift we give to other, each other is the quality of our presence. So just be there. That's all. Just All you got to do is show up and listen to your friends and be there or your family. Yeah. And say, yeah, I get it. I get it. Let your feelings out. And it, it helps them so much and it helps you too. I yes, I I couldn't agree anymore. Like this whole scenario just kind of made me appreciate, honestly, this this crazy thing that is this podcast of having so many people now across the world, and mainly the United States, but really globally, that I can reach out to and just kind of check in and make sure that they're doing okay, and then extending that beyond even that is just my friends and family, and just trying to be this this nexus point for other people so that they can you know, take a deep breath and be like, all right, you know, we're going to get through this together. It's like, you know, if, if I, sometimes I was thinking about it, like before we started talking, is this like, if I could get all these awesome people that I've interviewed and talked to in the same room, I was like, that would be the coolest conversation, like dinner party ever. <laughs> yeah. But you can't have more, you can't have more than 10 people in a room. Well, yeah, no. not right now, New but rule. after this is all over. <laughs> Yeah, you'd probably find, you know what, if you got all of us in a room and we all told the truth, you'd probably find that, that mo- most of us are just the same old human jerks that everybody else is. We've just had some more life experience and we're able to talk about it a little bit more. We're a little bit, I don't, I don't think we're any more evolved, like people say are awake. We're just more aware. Mm-hmm. To me, this this has been a lifetime of spiritual work, and 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 all the only difference is the the difference between me as a young man who had a lot of anger and a lot of issues like that, and me as an older guy is I've learned to pause. Mm. I learned to pause before I let that first thought out of my head. <laughs> and you know, the first thought's always wrong, and the first thought out, ego will just show up and want to attack or do something. And I've learned to like wait and say, no, you're wrong. I, you know, um, theater experience has done a lot for me, especially doing improv. I've mm-hmm. learned in a scene, I always want to control the scene or direct it, which is what I want to do in life. And I've just learned that when I'm about to enter a scene, whatever idea I have, throw it out and wait 10 seconds. And then the great idea shows up, which really makes a scene. But if I always go with my first instinct, it's it's usually crap. You know? <laughs> so it, you get that with age. You get a two-second pause that you can not let, your mouth open up and, and let ego flow out. You can wait for your heart to speak. I really it takes appreciate a few seconds that. to get your heart in gear. <laughs> I really appreciate that because it's, it's, it's a thing. I think it's something that we all could learn from and use a lot more. And part of doing this was to kind of just become a listener 
right? Like we could all listen to mm -hmm. ourselves or talk forever in monologue, basically. And learning to exercise that listening muscle and be like, mm, let me just learn from this other person for a bit. Why do you think Mother Nature gave us two ears and one mouth so we should listen <laughs> twice as much as we talk? <laughs> it's so poetically... <laughs> I didn't make any, by the way, all this stuff, I didn't make any of this shit up. You know, this is all stuff that was, none, none of this is original. It's it's all stuff I was taught, stuff I've read, stuff I've listened to that just seems to make sense to me. I so love it. it. It's, it's, We're all learning you know, from everyone. There's really no such thing as completely unique because there's always someone else that may have thought a thought before, had the same idea, but it's just a matter of how you mix your things that resonate with you together. You know, your own unique tint of paint, so to speak. We're all our own unique mixtures. Just like yeah, you just gotta you gotta you gotta stay awake and listen. I was in San Francisco once when I was much younger, and going to be between two very important because I was very important business meetings. And as mm -hmm. I was hustling down the street, there was a drunk sitting on the street, like typical out of a Hollywood movie, with a bottle of something in a brown paper bag. And I heard him say slur as I went by. He said, "You know, a problem with you? You're in too much of a hurry." And I thought, "This guy's right." And I sat down on the curb and had about a 30-minute conversation with a guy who was totally blitzed out of his mind, and it made more <laughs> sense to me than what a lot of other people were saying. You know, the, 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 everything we need is right around us if you just open your eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, everything you need. It, it's, in, it's in music. It's in movies. It's in books. Seriously, the, the wisdom is there. Just pay attention. Get out of your head and look around at the beauty in this world. There is, there is so much beauty here, and I, I, know, I know people will say, yeah, right, there's so much violence and hatred and anger. Yeah, because those are the people who forgot who they are. But if you really look beyond that, you will find a world that is so beautiful and so loving and so full of wonderful people who are, who are there to help. Instead of getting angry or upset with something, if you just ask people for help instead of being angry with them, people really want to help in this place. I really believe in the goodness mm -hmm. of men, man and women. You know, I don't want to be sexist here. My goodness of people, we are basically good at the core. Some of us have just, we're just, we forgot who we are and it's our job to forgive them and remind them. And, and I think to that point too, it's so much easier to say why something is broken or why it's bad, but it's much more productive to my view to look at something and say, this may be broken, but here are the group of people that are trying to make it a little bit better. You know, maybe it doesn't right. fix the problem right. completely, but they're trying to move the needle however little that is. Right. Know? Instead of saying this is broken, instead of just claiming that it's broken, ask the question, how can we fix it? Mm -hmm. You know, how can we solve this problem in, in any situation, whether it's a family, whether it's a family situation, an emotional situation, a business situation, instead of complaining, instead of saying, just say, okay, here's the problem. How do we fix it? How do we work together to fix it? And and magic happens that way. In, impro in, in improv, we call it yes-anding. Mm. You just agree. Mm -hmm. You don't say no to anything. When you're on stage and you're in Hawaii and your partner's your scene partner wants to screw with you and says, hey, look at those polar bears, you don't ruin the scene by saying, this is Hawaii, jerk. There's no polar bears. You say, wow, look at them. They're really hot, man. And look at them in their bikinis. Maybe if we had them waxed, <laughs> we could date them. You know. And it gets gets really silly. But, it, but when you yes-and things, things work. Mm -hmm. Everybody go out there and take improv classes now. <laughs> I was going to say, I think honestly, one of, in one of these scenarios, like finding the silver lining and especially something like improv and just jokes yeah. in general, cut through a lot of this, this, what is going on right now, this uncertain times and being able to step back 
from our situation and kind of laugh at it, right? Like it cuts through all the tension. And I think having something like that, that's an outlet is really, really important. Yeah. Do you know there was humor in concentration camps in World War II? There, there, there was humor among the inmates, believe it or not. <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't find it very funny today, but people have survived through humor, laughing at the, by humor at the situation. And we have to, we have to laugh at this too. So you know, I, I laugh at every time. Every time one of our politicians opens their mouths, I go, "Really?" I find it really <laughs> funny. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think honestly, in this scenario of all scenarios, really just shows that how much our elected officials are just like me or you. They don't know have any special access to information or reactionary things. They are just trying to do the the best that they can with the information at play. So. I think I yeah. think it it shows just a limitation, just to, just to how I I don't really want to say flawed because it sounds a little worse than it should be, but that's kind of the first word just, that pops to my mind. Just, just just say human. Yeah, we're just human, and by by nature, by nature, human beings are flawed. But here's the difference. You know where the word sin comes from? I actually don't. It comes from archery. It means you miss the uh, just like the word love in tennis. It, it, you know, it, it means zero. Well, it comes from the French, look, egg. The zero is an egg-shaped symbol. So, you know, that, that's where it comes from. Sin comes from archery when you miss the, the bullseye. The, the, the guy down by the target would yell, sin, you missed. And so every time you do something in life that you miss the mark, think of it in this way. It's an opportunity to learn how to do it better next time. Mm. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all, we're all learning on this planet. Nobody's perfect. I have news for you. Nobody. And maybe me, but um, no, 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 nobody's perfect. And so every time something happens, it's like, wow, I get to choose. Maybe I get to choose better or choose a different way or choose a different way of looking at it. You know, that phrase in the Bible, turn the other cheek, doesn't mean let somebody beat you up on the other side of your face. It means if you're looking at somebody from a certain point of view, like that guy's an idiot. And you turn from another, look at them from another point of view. The guy's not an idiot. He's fearful. He's acting out of fear. He's acting out of something else. And you can, you can relate to them suddenly when you look at them from another point of view and you turn the other cheek, you know? And, and so sin is like, yeah, okay. I made a poor choice here. I'm going to ask for forgiveness and I'm going to maybe learn better for next time. Right. Maybe I'll keep my mouth shut next time. And sometimes I've gotten to situations where it's cost me money. And, and one of my spirit teachers is that's just tuition, you know, <laughs> that's just tuition. So, so just hold on and live long enough. And, and if you stay wide enough awake and you realize these things, you can actually end up pretty happy in this lifetime. You know, mm-hmm. that, that reminds you of two things here. One is, is it's basically failure is one word that remind this reminds you of like changing a relationship to it. And then the other one is labels. We, you know, being finite beings, we have to categorize and label things. And a lot of those fears and, and sinning, for that matter, it comes through, you know, false labeling or or just being not comfortable with failing, you know, pointing the blame for other people. Like you were saying earlier with the economic side of it, don't look at your bank account or your 401ks or whatever it is where you have money invested in places like you're going to blame why it's going sideways right now. Whereas like on the flip side of that, we if, if you invested in the stock market and everything was going great, you'd be like, look at how good I am. But as soon as it goes bad, you blame other people for why it's, or other 
events why it goes sideways. Well, well, yeah, two thoughts there. Number one is a friend of mine's name is Steve Feldman, and Steve's a dermatologist, and he's written a book, I think, I forget the name, I think it's called Compartments or something, but basically the idea is that dermatologists used to say that general practitioners should not be treating skin diseases because they do a miserable job because we would see all their failures in our offices. But Steve says, wait a minute, you're sitting in your own little office. You don't see all the successes that are going on. You only see the failures. So you get to pop out of your little compartment and look around and take a view of the world and see what it's really like. We make judgments based upon what we see, but we don't see the whole picture. Yes. You've got to get out of your own little space and, and do that. So I think that that's really, really important also. And I forgot the second thing I was going to say, so it must not have been that important. So, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll come, but that's the trouble when you're over 20. You forget stuff. <laughs> One of the things I've thought about lately is this, this idea that we forget that the possible experiences one could have is not our own. We, we inadvertently overgeneralize to say that how I've experienced one thing means that's how the entire world usually experiences it. And I, and I think in this scenario, again, even though the entire world is experiencing this, this pandemic, it's unfair to treat it as a blanketed situation and coming at it with more compassion or just understanding that your experience for any given situation is not, is only a tiny, tiny, tiny slice of the total possible available experiences. You know, and I, I'm sure you have a lot to say on this because it, it just sounds like you would, have, you would think about this sort of thing. Oh, I do. Well, you know, your experience is unique and nobody, I, I, I love in life when people say things like, oh, I don't love it, but as people say things like they'll, they'll go up to a friend who's lost a parent and, and they lost a parent and they'll say, oh, I know how you feel. No, you don't. You don't know how anybody feels. Mm-hmm. You have no clue what's going on inside of anybody. That's the first thing. Uh, but we presume that we do. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what they're thinking. They must be thinking like me because they look like me. That is so wrong, and that will take you down such a bad pathway. Share your experience. First of all, it's hard to share experiences. You can share knowledge. You can't share an experience because it, it's like you can't describe the smell of a rose to someone who's never smelled one. Or as my spiritual teacher used to say, you can't describe an orgasm to someone who's never had one, but we don't want to put that in <laughs> We did it, did it anyway. You can't. You can't. So, I mean, so never, pres- never presume that you know what the other guy is feeling or experiencing. Ask them. You know, And if they're in touch with themselves, they'll tell you, I'm experiencing fear. I don't like this or I don't like that. And listen to them. You know, And, and once I, I know, I was thinking about labels. We always want to, I was going to go back and say, we always want to label people. We want to put people in categories. The mind wants to figure it out and, and you can't what, what you're really doing labeling is the highest form of projection mm. <laughs> when you label somebody it's not remember the spiritual laws what you like and don't like about other people is something you like and don't like about yourself that you're putting out there being human and then i know we're gonna get people saying like well wait i don't lie and i don't well, i don't do this <laughs> and i say yeah right yeah, yeah. no you've never lied in your life to your parents that you know you, uh, when you were young or you never taken something that wasn't yours you know so it's like and if even if you didn't like i don't i've never killed anybody you know but i don't like the fact that i'm human and that i could under the right circumstances i don't like that mm-hmm. i'd like to pretend that i am just perfect and under a situation of world war ii i would hide jews in my attic and not worry about it of course i'm jewish i'd hide myself but um, <laughs> but i don't know what i would do 
I have no clue what I would do under that situation. And I don't like that. I don't like the fact that I'm human and I'm, I might be, I might, you know, just become a traitor. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right. And the, and the thing about experiences, it's all, our experiences are unique, but there are shared experiences that you can have. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can, when, when you go and you call your friend up today and you talk about how you feel and they say, Oh my God, I feel the same way. All of a sudden there is a shared experience and a bonding. And what that shared experience does, it basically ends the existential loneliness that all of us feel. I don't care how close you are to your friends, your spouse, your parents. We still feel alone and isolated. Yeah. Nobody gets us a hundred percent, but you can get closer to that when you do share your feelings. When you sit in a group therapy meeting, when people sit in 12 step meetings, when you just call your friends and they talk, they, they share their life and other people relate to it. That's healing. That's where healing comes in. So that's, that's what that to me is about experiences. Share them as best you can. You won't. Yeah. I, I experiences for me are really powerful because it's, it's through experiences that we, understand the world, right? It's like through the sum total of everybody around, we get to paint this picture and the story of the entire thing. You know, it's humanity is a collection of individuals and no matter, and how the fabric of those individuals come together is what makes humanity what it is. <laughs> right. And if, well, if I can make a suggestion here too, yeah, go. like I, I, I guess, I don't know if I told you, but I go, I go to Paris every year and I teach at one of the medical schools. And to me, it's like, I think I'm transnation, but I should have been born in France. I, I, I really would love to move to Paris. It's my favorite place on mm-hmm. the earth. And one of the favorite things that I'd like to go see is there's a series of tapestries called the lady and the unicorn. Everybody's seen these images on Christmas cards. I know if you go look it up, the lady and the unicorn, you say, oh yeah, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the first five tapestries are about the five senses, sight, you know, uh, sight, um, sound, taste, touch, and they're beautiful. These were done in the 1500s, I believe, the 1400s. Then there's a bigger tapestry. And the lady is taking off a necklace and putting it into a jewel case. And above it in French, it says, Amon Sol Désir, to my only desire. And what it represents is moving beyond the five senses into that level of, I don't know how to describe it, but, but beyond what you can see, hear, and taste, what you can feel, you can't trust your senses for experiences. Mm-hmm. You have to go beyond those senses and look what's beyond those five senses into what what your what emotion is there or what feeling is there and and, and I know that when I'm sitting in a room with these guys who are my brothers and we're really connecting, all of us describe this feeling that we just feel this this joy and bliss around our hearts, like we really feel like brothers and we're really connected, and that's nothing that you can sense with five senses. So. The you know the thing is, as you do move through the world, look for those experiences that are beyond mm-hmm. what you can see. You know, and it gets fun after a while when you you have you know you get weird and you have this intuition and 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 you know three of you say the same thing at the same time. That's what <laughs> happens. That's what happens in improv. We develop a group mind, and yeah. and the audience is astonished when we're doing something on stage and it's a guessing game and it's the hardest thing to guess. And one of us just pulls it out of their mind because we heard it mm-hmm. coming from one of our partners, although they never said it. That's <laughs> what that. Those are the kind of experiences of connectedness that that make you say there's there's more here than just the material world. Yeah, you there, know, there's a certain ineffability about human experience that 
it defies scientific understanding or some sort of logical explanation. For lack of a better term, it just is. And you just have to, you yep. know, take it for what it, like what it made you feel, right? Like a certain level of bliss or connectedness that you never thought would ever be possible. Like connecting with someone deeply. When you say it's like, you might just meet someone and it's like, I feel like we've always known each other. That mm-hmm. se- That sentence that people say, it's like, those are really important words and or really important feelings to kind of hone in on and be like, okay, that person needs to stay around, you know? <laughs> well, that's, that's how I met my wife. Yeah. I mean, we were, I was, I was in first year of college. She was in the last year of high school and I was fixed up on a blind date and I walked into her parents' apartment. I looked at her from about 20 feet away and the earth shifted. I knew that she was going to be the woman I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And this April, it's going to be 50 years of marriage. So it's like, wow. I guess I was right. Congratulations but so, on that but something, awesome. Thank you. But something shifted. I knew it. There was, there was a, a knowledge. It's like in the in James and uh, Heinlein's, Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land, they mm-hmm. used the word grokking. You, you grok it, you know, it, which means you get it. It's beyond knowing it. Mm-hmm. You, 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 it's some, some deeper thing of just having it. Right? We've been talking about human life, and the truth is we don't even know what that is. We don't know what life is. You know, we're walking around, we're in a human body. I've this to doctors and people all the time. Well, okay, we've been with people who died. And one moment, there's a human being there, and there's life, and they're alive. And the next moment, they're not. Mm-hmm. And what is it in that human body that is not there now? And people start to sweat, and they go, I don't know. And the truth is we don't. We don't really know what life is. You know, we know what the result is or what we're seeing or feeling. But if you can, if to ask somebody truly what life is, it's not electrical impulses going through this body because we can just plug people in the socket, keep them alive. <laughs> so, so if you really, really want to get nervous, just, just, I, if I wanted to get nervous, I do two things. I look up at the sky and I go, this goes on infinitely and my mind gets blown. <laughs> or I say, 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 what, what is it that, that what's inside of this body, which is really made of dirt from the planet anyway, mm-hmm. that's alive. And I don't know. So I can talk about life or experiences all I want, but it humbles me. And we need to walk around humbly in the face of, we really don't know anything. We don't know who we are. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing here. We don't know where we are. And uh, when you get to that level of humility, then life gets really interesting. I would invite our your listeners to like just ponder some of those questions, those unanswerable questions. Yeah. Um, I, and thank you. Thanks for the opportunity today. I really appreciate you, but I I also see it as a way of looking at the world a different way. You know, I I think a lot of the people who listen to this thing think the about life in a deeper context that would resonate mm-hmm. with what you're saying. And I do too. And for me, it's like, how do you organize your inner life to reflect your outer representation? Right. I remember oh, that that's simple, Eric, that's <laughs> simple. I, I figure, learn how to take your pulse every time during the day. And I go to my, say to myself, any one of these heartbeats could be my last. Mm-hmm. Now what's important. That's how I organize my life. <laughs> is it important for me to be important here? Is it important for me to be recognized, acknowledged, to get money? Or is it important for me to do something loving in this moment right now to help somebody out, to make this world a better place in case I'm not here tomorrow? That's the bottom line for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may, I might not be tomorrow. It makes a lot of sense why, why you're still doing what you need to do. Even if you're not doing dermatology, you're still taking patients and listening to them and help guiding them through this uncertainty of their life. And I think... 
it's a really important thing to do to to be of service in that way. And how would you recommend someone who's maybe just stuck at home and is trying to just figure out maybe they don't know what they want to do or you know how they best serve you know a greater purpose? What would you recommend even if it's a book or some sort of activity to help search within themselves? Well, never ask a writer because I'll, I'll always tell you his book, you know, I'm not going to do that. There, there's some wonderful books out there. I would start with something either by Ram Das, mm-hmm. like Richard, I'll be here now, or start with some of the basic textbooks of spirituality and things written by Osho. What I would use, what I used to do when I used to read books as were paper books and not, a, you know, not books on my on my iPhone yeah. was I would go to the bookstore and go to the spiritual section and run my hand over the shelf and wherever it would stop I'd buy that book That's and awesome. read it <laughs> and it was always it was always it would always it was always the right one so go online and look at spiritual books I'm like you know that that's all I can say. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's. If it's, you want to read my, if you want to read the novel I wrote, it's called The Man of Sorrows, and it's about the it's about a doctor who actually has the power to heal people and tries to run away from it. And it's a spiritual book about mm-hmm. the terrible price we pay in life to try and stay safe. There, I plugged it. Um, <laughs> Shameless plug. I, 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 I get about a dollar fifty every quarter on royalties from the book. It's great. <laughs> It's okay. You're selling yourself just by being here, so you don't need to to feel. <laughs> you don't need to feel so shameful for doing that. It's for me that just to be sharing your words and your wisdom of just learned experiences is enough in its own way, right? Like, you know, being able to do something like this allows people to step outside of their own frame of reference, hopefully. And to, well, well, okay. I, you know, things keep coming up in my mind. So I'm so creative. Let me tell you one <laughs> last story. And I, I got to go. Understood. Okay. So, you know, people read the Bible and it's a great source of spiritual literature. I love it, but you got to read it. Okay. So, so here's, here's the deal that gives me a lot of comfort. All right. The story of Noah, of, of Noah. All right. So, so God, so God says the world is so corrupt. I'm going to destroy everything and save one perfect person. All right. Great. So here comes, you know, we all think of the animals by twosie twosies and that cute story. All right. Forget that part of the story. Read the Bible because it's all there. And what happens when Noah comes off of the ark, when he's the only righteous person with his family left, he builds a vineyard and he gets totally blind drunk. (laughs) It says it. It gets drunk and he goes into his tent. And, and unless you understand Hebrew, people like gloss over this, but it says in his son, something happened where his son came in and uncovered his nakedness. It's something that basically probably molested him. That's what the Torah doesn't talk about sex. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, so he gets, even if he just gets blind, drunk and blacks out. So isn't that a wonderful message? You can be the most perfect person in the world and you're still going to screw up. <laughs> it's a perfect, it's a perfect analogy just to, you know, what is human perfect. experience? God says, I'm saving you because you're the most perfect person. And look what he does five minutes out of the ark. So hello, I don't have to be perfect either. That's the first step I would, I would tell anybody to do. Realize your imperfections and laugh at yourself. You know, that's awesome. And that's probably the best way we could end this. Thanks, Michael. And thank you, Eric. If there's any way you want to plug how people can connect with you or reach out or anything you want to share on that end. Please do. If not, that's where we'll put this conversation for right now. Well, people know how to connect with you, right? Yes. All right. Uh, I'll, how about they connect with me through you? Because I really, 
I don't know. I don't want to put my email out there and I'll That's get okay. thousands of people or hundred or tens of people, you know, calling, calling me saying like, you suck. I hate what you have to say. And then, then I feel terrible. Um, if, so, if somebody wants to reach me, they can reach me through you. Okay. And I'm glad to talk to anybody even on a one-to-one basis. I'm glad to help anybody who wants help. All right. I'm not some guru. I'm not some great spiritual teacher, but I love to help people. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Yep. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.